Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Going to James 4. James 4. We're going to go here to our foundation verses for this series in James chapter 4. If you'll go there with me. I'm talking about how to receive more grace. How to receive more grace. Well, great part about God is, is he didn't just get you born again and say, there you go. Now you just see how you, how you can get through life best you can. Get to heaven. When you, when you get here, praise the Lord, we'll have a good time. Nope, thank God when he got us born again, he offers us more help. <clears throat> I want to start up front by defining for you in the simplistic way of what we've always heard from our pastor and what is biblically sound as to what grace really is. As I mentioned to uh, all those at Good Guys Car Show, a lot of people have defined grace in a lot of ways. Unmerited favor, true. But who really kind of understands just the statement unmerited favor without really thinking about that, unraveling that? I like what, obviously, and this goes along with every biblical definition, every biblical definition of what grace is, the way our pastor has simplified it. It is simply heaven's help. Heaven's help. You and I don't earn grace. We didn't earn grace to get born again. So we certainly don't earn grace as we have an opportunity to get more of it. We're not earning it. We're learning how to receive more of it. God offers it as a free gift to us. All we have to do is get in a position to receive it. If we'll get in a position to receive it, we can get more of heaven's help. Amen? It's kind of like, I'll do this again. Come here, uh, Merrick. Come up help, Come up, fr- up front here. Help sit up right up here for just a second. So Merrick was sitting down here, right? And I, his pastor, say, I want to offer help to you to get up, Right? So if I offered help for him to get up out of that chair and he reached out and received it, guess what? He didn't get up on his own strength. He got up by the strength I helped him with. You listening? Well, he don't really need that. Well, see, a lot of us treat God this way. God's reaching out our hand. Excuse me. God's reaching out his hand to give us more help, but many of us aren't reaching back. Not even realizing it. Not even realizing it. We're relying too much on our own. Our own knowledge, our own ability, our own uh, strengths and what we think we have. But when God reaches out to help us, if we reach back, guess what we receive? More help. God wants to help us in Jesus' name. Sure, he could have got up on his own. There are some things you could do on your own. But you're missing out on a great strength by not receiving the help God offers. Amen? God's got his hand out. The question is, are we receiving it? Thank you, sir. And you and I, the same way as it relates to what God offers us as heaven's help in our life, God's grace, we're not earning it. He's reaching out and offering it. We're just taking it. We're just taking it through what Scripture teaches us. We learn how to take more of heaven's help. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about in this series. Anybody want some more help from heaven? Let me see your hand if that's you. I know I'm preaching to the right crowd then. James chapter 4, verse 4. James 4, verse 4 says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Another way to say friendship with the world 
is to say doing things the way the world does things. Well, does the world rely upon God's help? Nope. They're trying to do it on their own. Everything they're doing, they're trying to do on their own. They're trying to come up with their own answers, their own solutions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to be a friend of the world means we're not depending on God. We're just depending upon what we ourselves can do or what we think, obviously, we can get through the perspective of what the world offers. Do you not know friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I don't want to be a friend of the world. I want to be a friend of God. How about you? And that friend relating to God is offering you additional help. Verse 5, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? So what he just told you was, I can't help you by you still doing things the way the world does. If you are living with the mentality of the world and the way you think and the way you live and what you do, I can't help you because that's not of me. There's nothing of me in that. There's, that's, that's all designed from Satan's system of a self-reliance, self-dependence. I mean, think about it. What, what I really want you to see tonight, what I know, let me back up, what I really know the Holy Spirit wants you to see tonight, what he's just been dealing with me on all afternoon, is to understand the true significance of what we're going to talk about here as it relates to humility and receiving this help from God. Receiving this help from God means I'm dependent on it. I'm depending on it. I'm depending on that help from God. I'm not trying to do this on my own. I'm not trying to live up my life based on my strengths, my abilities, what I think of life, or what I think I am, or what I think I can do. I am trying to develop an ability to to totally change that mindset to be nothing more than one thing, dependent on Him. God wants us dependent on Him. Thus the reason it says again, the Spirit, verse 5, who dwells in us yearns jealously. Why? Because he can't share you with the world. If the world's offering you one way of help and God's offering you another, and you choose the world's way, God can't help you because you're choosing the world's way. But this is more about mentality and the way we think than anything else. And that's what I want you to get tonight. Notice this. It goes on in verse 6 and says, but he gives more grace. Say more grace. grace. Underline it. God gives more grace. grace. So what is available to the believer? More of heaven's help. Beyond salvation, beyond the initial salvation of when you got born again, God has more help for you. How many know you couldn't save yourself? How many know you needed God's help? Now stop and think about that alone. If I couldn't save myself, what did I have to do to literally get in a position to get God's help to be saved? I had to agree with Him. I had to agree with Him. You know what I had to agree with? I had to agree that I was a sinner. Because if I didn't agree that I was a sinner, why would I need salvation? Why would I need the deliverer? I don't need a deliverer if there's nothing wrong with sin. But I had to agree that I'm a sinner. I had to agree that I needed a Savior. That I needed help. I needed help, to, I needed help to be saved. That I couldn't save myself. I couldn't deliver myself from this old nature. I couldn't deliver myself from this stinking thinking. I couldn't deliver myself from this wrong way of living. I needed somebody to help me. So one, I had to agree with God. And in the case of the fact of salvation, I had to agree that I was a sinner. Two, I also had to agree with God. This is all about agreeing with God, folks. I also had to agree with God that I couldn't do it on my own. That I had to rely upon what Jesus did. That my aspect of receiving the grace of salvation had absolutely nothing to do with what I have or haven't done. 
that I had to put total dependency, here comes that word again, total dependency upon what Jesus did for me. That my faith was in the very life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. My dependency saying that's all that was needed. That's all that was needed for me to receive the salvation God offers. That is a gift of grace. Amen? Amen. And then in agreeing the fact that I was a sinner, in agreeing Jesus did everything that was needed, then what did I have to do? I had to release my faith. Now, releasing faith does not mean, again, I'm doing anything of my own effort or my own ability. No. What does releasing faith mean? Remember, I've told you the Dr. Sumrall statement of what faith is. What is faith? Trust. Well, if you trust him, what are you really saying? I depend on him. I depend on him. If I had somebody like an example that I'm an employee, uh, excuse me, I'm an employer and I have an employee and I have put my trust in that employee to show up to do work that's needed to be done, what am I doing by trusting him? I'm depending on him to be there. I'm not going and picking him up. I'm dependent on him showing up. I'm dependent on him being I'm putting my trust in him or her to show up to be there. Well, you and I got to realize that trusting God, uh, here's another way to actually define faith. I would write it out this way. Faith means I trust him. Trust means I depend on him. If I have faith in God, I trust him. If I trust him, you know what that means? I'm depending on him. I'm depending on what he himself has done. I'm depending on what he has said. I'm not depending on what I have said. I'm not depending on what I have or am going to do. I'm depending on one thing, what Jesus did. I'm putting full dependency upon him. That is truly how you receive the salvation grace. Well, how are you going to receive more grace? No different. No different. If I'm going to receive the additional grace has for my life, I'll guarantee you, for those of you who are good guys, you're like, well, this is far beyond the good guys thing. Well, that's a different setting. This is us getting into, you know, I don't have time to go in depth and stuff there. I can just kind of give them a little basic outline they can go by. But I want you to get this. If I am going to receive the grace of God, the additional help of God for my life to help me in every aspect of what I do in my life, how am I going to do that? Dependency. I'm going to depend on him. I'm going to depend on him and him alone. I'm not going to depend on me because there's no way I can get God's help. How, how can I? He's extending that hand out. How do I get depend? How do I get uh, more of God's help? I depend on him. I reach out and grab that help and I depend on him and I receive it. Amen. I receive it. So the same way that we got saving grace, what must we do? You ready? You got to agree with God as I'm about to show you. You're going to not get help from heaven if you keep disagreeing with God. You have to agree with God. And I'm going to show you what that relates to in just a minute. But not only do you have to agree with him, you have to accept, therefore, what he talks about in relationship to you, about your life. Let me, let me just go ahead. I'm going to, well, now I'm going to read my verses. I'm going to read my verses. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. I'm excited about this new series. So six, he gives more grace. Say he gives more grace. Watch this. Therefore, because he offers this additional grace, he tells us how to get it. He tells us how to get it. God resists the proud. So who's not going to get it? The proud. Who's the proud? They're not dependent on anybody. No. The proud, the proud is dependent on themselves. They're just looking to self. So think about the devil. I mean, what did the devil do to relate an aspect of what we know of the world? Why we don't want to be friends of the world, the system of the world, the way the world thinks. 
What did the devil prove about the aspect of what we know is true of the system of the world? What did the devil say that got him kicked out of heaven? I, I, I. It was never about God. It was never about dependency on God. It was all about me. So you got to realize that the context of proud, being proud in the, the, this aspect of the Bible, is simply doing what? We're not depending on God. We're depending on ourselves. We're depending on what we think about us. We're depending on what we think as it relates to what we can do instead of what God says. Amen. Could I get a better amen? amen? So notice this. God resists the proud, but who does he give this grace to? He gives it to the humble. So a lot of people kind of misunderstand still the context of Bible humility. And I've told you this way one time, many, many times, although I'm going to define it more in depth for you in just a minute. But humble means I don't think of myself more highly than I should. I don't think of myself above what God says. I, I'm not God. <laughs> I'm not God. You know, there are some Christians, honestly, they put themselves up on such a pedestal that they think everybody else should bow down to them because look what I've done. Look how I've prayed. Look how I look. look, look. Well, there you go again. It's all about you. <clears throat> so, Humility does not exalt itself above who God says you are. Wait a minute, but here's the problem with the average Christian. It doesn't either belittle themselves below who God says they are either. What, what is true Bible humility? I, are you ready? I accept everything about what God says I am, what God says I have, what God says I can do. That's Bible humility. How many of you want to receive more of heaven's help? You're going to have to become the humble. Notice the very next verse. He then starts telling us four keys. We're going to start with the first one tonight. He starts telling us four keys about Bible humility. Four things. He's not going to just tell you you got to be humble and not tell you how to do it. So he tells us. Verse 7. Therefore, because of what we just said, there's more grace available. What should you do? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will do what? Now, I know you've been taught this and most of you know this. You don't really have to worry so much about submitting to God, uh, excuse me, about, sorry, about resisting the devil. Just submit to God. Amen. Now, again, when you talk about submission to God, people's minds immediately run to being obedient to everything God says. Da, 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 da. I want you to see this in a whole different light. I'm talking about, again, this phrase submission. I'm talking about dependency here. I want to make a statement. If you are fully dependent upon God alone, for who he says you are, what he says you have, and what he says you can do, guess what? You're humble. Amen. And you're submitted. Amen. You're not submitted to God until you believe who God says you are, what God says you have, what God says you can do. You're not submitted because you're not agreeing. You're not agreeing. If you, see, if you see what the Word says about you or what the Word says you have or what the Word says you can do and you say, but I don't, but I don't, guess what you're not doing? You're not submitting. Why? You're not agreeing. You're not agreeing with God. How do we receive salvation? We agreed. We had a need. Amen. Right? And then we accepted by faith what God offered. How I many want more of heaven's help? Help, this is where you'll get the help to get free from the lies, free from the deception, free from the attacks, free from some of the junk that Satan has put on us that we shouldn't be carrying, free from the baggage of the old life, of the old way, the old nature. It all comes down to what? Dependency. Guess what is going to set you free from the works of the devil? It ain't your willpower. If it's your willpower, you didn't need Jesus. 
Guess what's going to do it? God's going to do it. Heaven's help's going to do it. Grace is going to do it. What's going to free you from bad habits? Grace will. What's going to free you from disease and sickness? Grace will. What's going to free you from every lie and every single deception of the enemy? Grace will. You're going to see that. Heaven's help will. God wants to help you to be free from all these things. But guess what it takes? Are you ready again? Dependency. I've got to become wholly dependent upon God. And this is what I want you to get. I want you to see this. I'm going to read through these verses and I'm going to get to this first point. Therefore, again, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. That's one. We're going to come back to it. Two, draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you. That's two. Three, cleanse your hearts, you sinners. That's four. And purify your heart. Three, excuse me, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's four. Don't worry, we're going to go through all of them in this series. Lame it and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Well, we're supposed to be gloomy? No, I'll explain when we get there. I'll tell you what he means by that. Because what he's talking about is, if you truly get dependent on God, I'll guarantee you, you are no longer in any way excited or happy about your own effort or your own merit. You're not boasting in you. To, to lame it, mourn, and weep means I'm not boasting in me. It's not about me. It's about what God did. It's about what Jesus did. Amen. He goes, goes on and says in verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will do what? There comes heaven's help. He's going to lift you up. What's he going to do? Lift you up into what he's done for you. Lift you up in what he died and paid for you. Amen? So here's what I want you to get. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, to walk in Bible humility. What do I do, Pastor? Number one, you must submit to God, put a slash behind that, and put resist the devil. You don't need to focus on resisting the devil. You just need to submit to God. If you learn to submit to God, which I'm going to give you another statement here in a minute. If, I, if you learn how to submit to God, guess what you automatically do? Resist the devil. You automatically do it. So, understand this. A lot of people put a lot of effort into resisting the devil. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you doing? You're putting effort into resisting the devil. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So, it's your power. It's your ability that's going to cause you to resist the devil. No, it's heaven's help. What is it that's going to cause me to resist the devil? Heaven's help. Well, I got to resist him, Pastor. I know. How do you how do you do that though? You submit to God. If you submit to God, guess what you're getting? Heaven's help. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to resist the devil. Guess what he's going to do? Flee. Listen, you can't cast out a demon by any of your willpower. You can't cast out a demon by any of your smarts or knowledge. The only way you cast out a demon is by the help of heaven, the power and authority of God that gave you the ability to do that. So how in the world do you think you resist him on your own? But a lot of Christians are trying to resist him on their own. They're trying to stand against the enemy. But you're going about it wrong. Got the cart before the horse. Submit to God and you'll resist the devil. Think about it. Think about it. What is the two primary aspects of what Satan has to work against anybody on the planet? What are they? Seduction and deception. When somebody's seduced, they know it. What does he seduce us with? He seduces us, James chapter 1 says, with our own desires. Own carnal fleshly desires. We don't have to give in to them. And if we choose to do what? If we choose to look to God and get him 
relationship to what we're talking about. Submit to him and how we think and what we actually believe about ourselves and accept and agree with him. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to resist those things. So seduction is him tempting you, tempting you with something you know is wrong. It, listen, has anybody in this room besides me tried to overcome any aspect of a temptation in your life by your own willpower? Let me see your hand if you tried to do it. How many of you actually accomplished it? It just keeps coming back. You know why? Because you're not doing it right. It's heaven's help. It's his power. It's his authority that causes you to overcome it. It, it, uh, yes, Jesus defeated the devil, but it's his authority that addresses him now. It's not yours. I mean, I won't get there tonight, but as an example, we'll get there on Sunday. Why do you have armor? Because you have an enemy. Question, whose armor is it? It ain't yours. <laughs> it ain't yours. Go read it. It's not yours. He said, put on God's or put on the Lord's. Oh, I thought it was ours. No. No, it ain't yours. It's God's. Can I get a better amen? And when you walk with God's armor, it's like our military. If you went to our military and said, is that stinger missile you're carrying yours? No, government bought it for me. It ain't mine. I didn't buy it. They gave me the weapons I needed to fight the battle that I fight. Well, so did God. But wait a minute. Are we really relying on his weapons? I don't think so. We're trying too much of our own willpower and effort to try to address and deal with stuff that God says, I'll help you. Take my hand. Come on, I'll help you if you just take my hand. Well, how do I do that? You got to become humble. And number one, to become humble, you got to do what? You got to submit to God. So here's what I want you to get about submission to God, okay? What are we agreeing with God on? Here it is. I've just quoted it. I'm going to tell you to it again. And that's what I addressed over and over again on Sunday morning with these guys, the good guys. How do I actually agree with God in submission? To, let, me, let, me, let me rewind the tape. Let me back up. How do I submit to God? You ready? You agree with him. Simple. You agree. You agree with God. What if I don't agree with God? You're not submitting. You're not going to. So I agree with God. Say, I agree with God. Now, here's the key. How do I agree with God? How do I do that? Three areas. Under the new covenant, three areas. You agree with God and who he says you are. You agree with God and what he says you have. You agree with God and what he says you can do. In any area of those, in any of those three areas, you don't agree with God. You're not submitting to God in those areas. Right? Okay, let's start with the first one. Got to agree with God in who he says you are. Who are you? Do you know? Child of God. Who are you? You're an overcomer. Just an overcomer? More than a conqueror. Right? I said right? Now who the Bible says you are? Does the Bible say you are a conqueror? What does the Bible say? Yeah, but it don't look like it's working, Pastor. So here you are missing out on heaven's help because you're disagreeing with God. How many Christians disagree with God day in and day out? How, how do we disagree with God? We say stuff. Here's the thing about agreement with God. You ready? You ready? To start changing this in your life, guess what you got to use? This little thing right up here called your mouth. You got to start taking this little mouth of yours and start agreeing with God. How did, how did, 
A, how did uh, Abram turned into Abraham get heaven's help to have a baby that was impossible to have? Yeah. He changed his mouth. God said, you're a father of a multitude. Abram could have looked at that and said, no, I'm not. I can't have kids. My wife can't have kids. Beyond childbearing age, I'm almost 100 years old, can't do it. So if he'd have done that, guess what he'd have never got? Heaven's help. Guess what, he, guess what he'd have never wound up with? The promised child. You listening? Isaac wouldn't have been born. Wouldn't have happened. You know why a lot of Christians are missing out on heaven's help? They won't agree with God. They won't agree with God. So I've got to agree with God and who he says I am. What else does the Bible say? What else does the Bible tell me who I am? Is there anything else the Bible tells me who I am? Anybody know? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Well, you don't know a lot about me, man. Let me just tell you about my past and kind of where I come from and who I am and all that. No, no, no. That's who you were. That's who you were. That's who you were. I said, that's who you were. Are you born again? Well, what happened to that guy? Come on, what happened to that guy? If you're born again, what happened to that guy? The old man passed away. The new has come. So every time we continue to talk like we're still that old person, guess what we're not getting? Heaven's help. Why? We're not agreeing with God. I don't mean like we're rebelling. We're just not agreeing. If we don't agree, Amos 3.3 says, How can two walk together unless they're agreed? God wants to walk. He's with you, but he wants to walk you through this life, giving you help in every aspect of your life. But how can he do that if you don't agree with him? God keeps saying, well, this is who you are. Well, I don't think so, Father. Well, this is who I say you are. Well, I know you say that, but I don't see that. Or you just keep saying things about your life in relationship to the old nature. Think about how many Christians still speak of themselves in the first person relating to the old nature of who they are. What about what you have? Can anybody tell me what the Bible says you have? I have the mind of Christ. Well, I just got this messed up mind. I just can't think of anything, remember anything, do anything. Well, see, there you go. You're not going to get heaven's help to remember stuff because guess what you're not doing? You're not agreeing with God. Didn't the Holy Spirit say, excuse me, didn't the Bible say the Holy Spirit will bring all? How many? All things to your? Oh, okay. So if that's true and I've got the mind of Christ, meaning I've got the ability to know what Jesus knows, why would I keep saying I don't know anything? You're awful quiet tonight. I said you're awful quiet tonight. Are you listening? What else does God say you have? Anybody know what the Bible actually says about you? Evidently, we need to spend some more time in the Bible because we don't know too much about what, who we are and what we have. What else do we have? We have healing. By his stripes, you're going to be? Already are. So every time I go by what my body says, now we're not denying. Faith doesn't deny something exists. Faith doesn't say, well, it's really not there. Faith just keeps confessing what? Well, this is what the Bible says about me, and I agree with God. What else does the Bible say you have? More than enough. Do you know the Bible says you have all things that pertain to life and to live godly? Already have it. 
Sure wish God would do something about taking care of me. I've already given you all things that pertain to life. But as you keep disagreeing, see, a lot of people say, but I don't have it in the natural. And you won't because you're not activating, activating heaven's help. Think of a sinner who's being told, you're a sinner. Jesus is offering you salvation. Yeah, but you just don't understand. No, I do understand. And all you got to do is deny that old man, receive Jesus Christ, and you're going to be brand new. You're going to be born again. Well, but he can't forgive me. No, he already has. He's already wiped the slate clean. The Bible says he's not even keeping a record. See, most Christians don't know to even share that. And that's from the Bible in the New Testament, by the way. Book of Corinthians. You've already been reconciled. In the eyes of God, it's already done. All they got to do is simply accept what he's done. What if they get an agreement? They'll get changed. What will happen? How will they get changed? They'll receive heaven's help. Their life will be changed by the power of God. We can do this in every realm of our life. Where do you want help at? Start agreeing with God. So start not only declaring and decreeing who I am and what I have. What about what you can do? What can you do? All things through Christ Jesus. What else can you do? I can lay hands on the sick, and the Bible said what? They will recover. They will recover. Didn't the Bible say that? Yes. Well, I just don't know how I could do that. And you never will. You will never get heaven's help to do it. You know why? Why would you never get heaven's help to do it if you say you can't do that? Why would you not? You know what you're not doing? You're not being humble. You're not agreeing with God. You're walking in pride. Not intentionally, but you're walking in pride. When you say about you what God does not say about you, you're walking in pride. You're not agreeing with God. If you're not agreeing with God, guess what God can't do? He can't help you. He can't help you. He wants to. Thank God he will. But what do we got to do? We got to get humble. Say we got to get humble. All right. So the word here, submit, submit to God. Let me give it to you. The word submit literally means this is, now don't, don't just make up in your own mind what you think this means. I want to explain something to you. The word submit here means under the power, control, and government of another. Under the power, control, and government being governed by another. Under the power, under the control, under the government of another. So when it says submit to God, it says come under the power, under the control, and under the government of God. So let me explain that in a way that I think we would understand it better, that I don't think most Christians see it. I think most Christians see that as, ooh, i got to bow down and do whatever God says. Well, let me help you. You don't have to, and God's not going to force you to, and that's not really what it means. Although it would be included, you'd want to do what God's telling you because it's for your benefit. But my point is a lot of people miss the power of what's really being said about submitting to God. So think about that definition. Come under the power. Yeah. Right? right? Come under the power, control. under the control, and under the governance of another. So in relationship in a negative sense, because I would never do this, think about people who submit to our government. Seriously, how many people are dependent on our government? Why are they trying to depend on our government? They want the government's help. Don't, don't, don't get upset. At what I'm, I'm using an illustration to turn it around here in a minute to show you how this relates to God. I know that's not, I'm not talking about that's good. I'm trying to use an example to help you understand this word about submitting to God. To come under the governance of. Right? So if somebody wants help from the government, what do they have to do? Come under their power, control, and governance. They have to do 
what the government said. If they do, guess what the government offers them? Help. Now, we're not going to want to do that as a person we know understand. Clearly, our governance is not under the government we live under. But the same truth applies. That Now, turn it around towards God. You know what God's saying? I want you that way with me. I want you to rely on my help. Because if you don't rely on my help, guess what? You are not going to experience all that I have for your life. Because what's going on out here in the world, you're not going to be able to overcome with your own strength or ability. Or you didn't need me. Can I get a better amen? amen? Our God wants you under his governance. He wants you what? He wants you, what's trust again? Dependent. He wants you as a dependent of his. Yes, Lord. Yeah. So there, Satan always takes what God really intended as a positive and he turns it into a negative. So what does the, what does the devil use with that? He tries to get people dependent on government. Dependent on man. That's not what God wants. What does God want? Come on. He wants me dependent on Him. He wants me to have that kind of dependence on Him. And if I'm dependent on God, guess what that means? I'm coming under His control. But I'm also coming under what? His power. I'm coming under His power. Of which He'll be able to empower me. If you obviously negative again, if you are dependent on a government, guess what they? Guess what they're given? Again, it's a negative side, but you got to understand, Satan's just perverting what God intended for us to use with Him. But if you look at the negative side, how many uh, illegal people in our country are being empowered by our country to do things even that's illegal? Empowered to get on a plane. Tickets paid for. No, no, any, no type of a, no type of a, of a ID of any kind. You and I as citizens can't get on a plane without an ID, but they can. Why? Because the government's empowering them. You listening? Now listen to that from the positive side. Well, guess what God's saying? I can help you transcend all that is true of the natural by you depending on me. How do you think you're going to see miracles? Come on. How do you think you're going to see signs and wonders? How do you think you're going to see my manifest power working into your life to go beyond what's true of the natural? How do you think you're going to see that? You're not going to see that unless you become what? Dependent on me. Because if you're dependent on God, what are you doing what, do you, what are these quote-unquote illegals doing to become dependent on our government? They're agreeing with them. Aren't they? They are. They're agreeing with whatever they tell them to do, wherever they tell them to go, whatever they tell them to say. Because they know to get their help, i got to do what? i got to agree. Now let's put it in the positive where God intended for it to work. Come on, somebody. This doesn't excite you. God wants to help empower you, but guess what you got to do? You got to agree with Him. I really am who God says I am. I really have what God says I have. Hey, demons, I can really do what God says I can do. But most Christians don't believe that. 
Seriously, most Christians don't. If they did, we would see far more of the power of God working in Christians' lives because we'd have heaven. You think God's trying to hold back his power till a certain time frame? Well, I'm holding it back, man. I'm just waiting till we get to this one time in time. No, man. God wants to see that power working all the time. Any good amens on that? See, Paul knew this all too well. We just finished it in our last series in, in the book of Philippians when Paul said, I'm not relying on my flesh anymore. If anybody could have been confidence in the flesh, it would have been me. But I'm not relying on my own righteousness. I'm not relying on my own ability. I'm not relying on what I've done, who I am in the natural, who I, Paul, had become as a Pharisee of the Pharisee, the Hebrews of the Hebrews. You know what Paul did? Paul threw it all away and said, hey, I'm now fully dependent on one person, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Can I get a better amen? Yeah. The more you become dependent on God, guess what? You'll do so by what? Agreeing with him. If you're not agreeing with God, you're not going to depend on God. Turn to Mark chapter 4 in closing tonight. Mark chapter 4. We must accept who God says we are. We must accept what God says we have. We must accept what God says we can do. Most Christians aren't doing this and they don't realize by being in disagreement with who God says you already are, what you already have, what you can do, guess what you're not getting? Heaven's help. You're not getting heaven's help because you're in disagreement with the one trying to help you. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, I just preached myself happy. Praise the Lord. Amen, Pastor Baker. Yeah, preach preach on, Pastor. Come on, that's a good word. Praise the Lord. Mark, Mark 4. So we see this even as it relates again. How do we know who we are? How do we know what we have? How do we know what we can do? What does God say? What does God say about it? So in the parable of the sower most important parable of all the parables that he gave in the parable of the sower and the explanation of it, Mark chapter 4, 14. Come on, I know you know it. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones sown by the wayside. The word sown, but when they hear it, who comes? Who comes? Satan comes immediately and does what? Takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. What if they would have agreed with God? If they would have agreed with God, they'd have submitted to God. Guess what they'd have been doing? They'd have been resisting the devil. Guess what? They wouldn't have believed the deception and lies of Satan. 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately, they receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves. You have to be a doer of the word to, to get it as a reality in your life. God's word isn't just facts to be known in your head. God's word is a new life to be lived out that he empowers you to live. He's the one empowering me to do it. Because those who are on stony ground have no root in themselves, verse 17. Why? Because they're not doers. They don't dig deep like Jesus said. So they endure only for a time, but afterward when tribulation and persecution rises for the what? The word's sake. Notice again and again and again and again. What's the devil after? The word, the word, the word, the word. Why? He don't want you to believe who you are. He don't want you to believe what you have. He don't want you to believe what you can do. Because as long as he can keep you in that context of not believing that, you're not agreeing with God. If you're not agreeing with God, you're not submitted to God. You're not walking in humility. You're walking in a form of pride, don't even know it. And I, the devil says, got you right where I want you because you are going to be devoid of heaven's help. You still with me? 
So they had no root, 17 themselves. They endure for a time, but when tribulation and persecution comes, again, for what? The word's sake. What happened? They stumble. 18, these are those who are among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, desires of other things. Choke out the word, it becomes what? Unfruitful. They're so focused on the world again, see, what are they actually functioning under? They're functioning under a form of, an, of a friendship with the world. Friend of the world, enemy of God. Meaning what? I can't get his help. He wants to give it, but he can't. But verse 20 <clears throat> Hey, bro, bring your shouting shoes tonight. Yes. These are the ones sown on good ground. good ground. Who are the ones sown on good ground? Watch this. They hear the word and they do what? Tell me out loud, please. They don't just hear it, folks. They accept it. The word accept here literally means that you take it as your own. You take it as your own. This belongs to me. This is mine. I take it as my own, praise God. Notice, they accept it, and what do they do? Bear fruit. Why? Because they get help from heaven. They bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. The word accept here means to receive, listen carefully, to receive, not to reject, and to acknowledge as one's own. If I accept the word as to what God says about me, in relationship to who I am, what I have, what I can do, what am I doing? I'm receiving it, not rejecting it, and I'm acknowledging it as my own. That's me. That's what I have. That's what I can do. People in church, every time scriptures are ever read, preached, or talked about, that talk about who you are, what you have, or what you can do, they should be automatically getting excited and saying, Amen, Lord, that's me. Yes, Lord, that's what I have. Yes, Lord, that's what I can do. But see, if you don't, guess who will come along with the wrong thoughts while that's being preached? Come on. Oh, you don't believe that, do you? Oh, you don't really think that's true, do you? Oh, you don't really think you can do that. Oh, you don't really think you have that, do you? Because obviously if you had it, wouldn't, wouldn't you see it in manifestation? You know, Brother Hagen, I love this. Brother Hagen said, I can tell you, I was preaching prosperity. Telling people they could prosper. Because I knew it was true in the Bible. That people can prosper. We can prosper. I was teaching prosperity literally with a dime in one pocket, a pocket knife in the other, ball tires on my car with a vehicle that barely would still get me down the road. And I was going to churches preaching, God will prosper you, God will prosper you, God will prosper you because Jesus paid the price for it. And guess what God did because he kept preaching it and kept believing it himself. Heaven's help came. And prosperity started happening in his life. But he was already believing it, confessing it before he ever saw it. See, you're waiting to see it. That's not faith. Oh, I got so much more to preach on, but I'm going to hold off till Sunday. You got to understand this. For you and I to submit to God and therefore resist the devil, what do we got to do, Pastor? We've got to agree with him. We got to accept what he says. We've got to agree with him. To agree with him means I'm now what? Dependent on him. If I agree with God, what am I really saying? I depend on him. I depend on what he says. I depend on what he tells me I have. What did Abram do? He depended on God. He took him at his word, said, I depend on God for Isaac to be born. I can't do it. 
But how did he depend on God? I am Abraham. Come on. How did he depend on God? I am Abraham. He believed in his heart before you could ever see it, before it ever looked possible. And most Christians are waiting to see something happen before they start saying who they are, what they have, and what they can do. And like I told everybody at Good Guys, if you don't start changing your words about you, you're not going to agree with God. Your flesh will not agree with him. So pride is me, believe it or not, in this context, saying anything about myself that's not true according to the Bible. Every time you make any statement about yourself that's not who God says you are, you're in disagreement with God. You're not depending on what he says you are. Did he lie about it? Are you really a spirit? Are you really born again? Are you really a new creation? Are you really made in the image and likeness of God? Or is it just all a fluke, just a religious fluke? Are we just going through the motions? Do we really have the Holy Spirit living in us? Do we have the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead? Will it not quicken our mortal bodies? Or is it just all a fluke? Is it all just a bunch of words on a page? But see, until you start waking up to the reality of what really has happened according to the Bible and start agreeing with it, guess what you're not going to receive? Heaven's help. But we can. He's offering it. God gives more help. God gives more grace. Who's he give it to? The, the, those, listen, those who are biblically humble. See, in relationship to religion, what does religion teach you humility is? You devalue yourself. You put yourself down. I'm a nobody. I'm worthless. I'm, no, I, I'm nothing. God's everything. Well, in, in the sense of the natural, carnal, fleshly man, that's true. But that's not true biblically according to who you really are as a spirit being. And see, religion has taught people Bible humility is to put yourself down. No, 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 no. Again, Bible humility, let me back up, excuse me. Bible pride is exalting myself above who God says I am or doing what? Or putting myself below who God says I am. If you put yourself below who God says you are, man, you are devaluing the most precious thing that's ever been on the planet called the precious blood of Jesus. You wonder how valuable you are to God? Let that sink in sometime. How valuable am I to God, Pastor? I'll tell you how valuable you are to God. Think of anything in the world that's had the most highest price ever paid for it whatsoever to get possession of it. Guess what? It don't compare to what God paid for you. The precious, most valuable blood of Jesus. No higher price paid. Why would God pay such a high price? That's how valuable you are. Oh, I'm not valuable. There you go again. You're disagreeing with God. God says you are. Because if his blood was shed for you, guess what he's saying? Yes, you are. Why would I have spilt that kind of a price for you if you weren't that valuable to me? How many people don't really feel that valuable to God? What are they basing it on? Not what God says. And we'll get more into this on Sunday. Are you ready for this series? Praise God. Stand to your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. 
for more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.